0: This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as F.A. F.A. is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one F.A. member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent F.A. as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about F.A., we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the F.A. program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello. Welcome to this qualification meeting. I am a food addict from Pennsylvania, and I am your leader for this hour. After a moment of silence, will you please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Um, So I've been thinking about this opportunity to come and qualify, and uh, a few years ago I was on the committee to rename the recordings when the people's personal names were taken off of them, so I was in my head a little bit this week going, oh, what's the name of my story? And uh, one of the names I came up with was The Perfect Storm. Um, when I grew up in a family of uh, five children, I'm a middle child, I'm a, a Libra, I'm a peacemaker, I'm a, you know, that, that was sort of my place in the family. Um, I had two parents who were very emotionally overwhelmed. Um, my mother thought she was going to have 12 children, and thank God she didn't. She was a rageaholic. She was really a dry drunk. She stopped drinking when I was a very young child, but she never had any recovery. She was also a food addict. So it was kind of a crazy, crazy family that I grew up in. And um, so it's, it's the perfect storm in a lot of ways. I learned from my mother to eat. Um, I, I, my, my extended family was full of addiction. Lots of alcoholism and Food addiction, and um, I and another another way I identified too is I was a runner. Um, emotions were so not spoken of in my family that I really believed that they must be deadly. So you, if anything starts getting emotional, either I would try to control it and and make it go away, or I would run. I would leave. I would leave the situation, and that was a real lifetime. Um, pattern for me. If I had an interaction with you that was uncomfortable and that I, I felt embarrassed by or humiliated in any way, I would avoid you. And I, you just would never see me again because it was too uncomfortable for me to feel those feelings. And um, so life goes on. But I'm running through life about as fast as I can to stay ahead of my feelings and one of the ways that i think i did that was by eating um i don't believe that i was born a full-fledged food addict um, i've told this story i was i was born a cucumber but i did get pickled later and that was one of the mysteries in my life was when i crossed that line because i i was a user i used food through my childhood it was very important to me Um, My mother is a terrible cook, so, you know, eating meals wasn't really that attractive. But looking for that extra special thing, anytime I had a little bit of money in my pocket, I went to the sweet shop right a block and a half away from our house. There was a store called The Sweet Shop. And uh, the first time I ever stole money, I mean, the only time I really remember stealing money, I was like four or five years old, and I went in my mother's purse to get some money to go to the sweet shop. And she didn't have any change for some reason. And I'm 70 years old, so if you think back to how many years ago that was, I think I took a $5 bill. That was a lot of money for a little kid. You know, what would that be, like $25 now? And I went over to the sweet shop, and I remember standing in front of that glass case and sliding my bill across the top and going, and this, and this. And this, and the the woman behind the counter said, does your mother know you're here? (laughs) Uh, This was a very small town. Everybody knew who we were. And I said, oh, yes. (laughs) So I got my my brown bag, and I left the store, and I was walking home with it, very, very happy to have this stash. And uh, a car pulled up next to me, and it was my parents. (laughs) So I didn't get away with it. Um, but it was it was like really important to me. And time I had money, that's where I would head. Um, another story from my young childhood that I think kind of personifies this importance for me is uh, we used to go to the zoo, uh, the Philadelphia Zoo, which is I think the first zoo in the country. So it's an old zoo. It's it's a, a lovely zoo, and I loved the zoo, but I would always wander off. And there were five kids, you know. So wandering off was not really a good thing. My mother just couldn't keep track of all of us. So I was at the zoo this one time, and I wandered off, and I was picked up by the guards. And they're in the guardhouse, announcing over the PA system, "Will the, will the parents of this little girl in this flowered sunsuit please come or pick pick her up?" And I'm screaming in the background. Uh, So they came and got me, and I remember being, I remember this, being in the car driving home and saying to my mother very proudly, they tried to give me some of that stuff, but I didn't take it because they were strangers. And and I was like really proud, but really upset. And my mother turned around and she looked at me and she said, oh, well, they were the guards at the zoo. You could have taken that from them. And I was so upset, so upset, so incensed that nobody told me this this rule that it 's okay to take it from some strangers. Um, anyway, you know so I went through my childhood with that that focus, always wanting that sweet thing, and uh, sometimes I think you know, coming into my adulthood, even I felt that sense of emotional deprivation, but sweets would give me that sweetness that we didn 't have in our home. And so I was very attracted to them. Um, and, and I had times in my growing up when I, w- I didn't, you know, I didn't go for it. I could eat a little bit and I could walk away. And that really stuck with me when I got into pure addiction. I would go, but, but I used to be able to let it go. I used to be able to eat one. I used to not even care. And um but that changed, you know, that changed at some point. And um so another, you know, maybe title of my story is about the progression of the disease. Um I definitely see that I started out as a user and um and I and it ebbed and flowed. It ebbed and flowed until I was almost thirty and I was married and was getting or to the point where my husband and I said, well, let's have a kid. And I always, I loved kids. I was a great babysitter, um, which, of course, in my teenage years was one of my favorite things because I could eat other people's food. And they always had food that we didn't have at home. And I would eat people right out of house and home, and they would hire me back again, which tells me how good of a babysitter I was because I had to be a very expensive babysitter. And, I'm, you know, I'm big, and I was athletic, and I could eat a lot. Um, I never ate the last thing in the package, though, <laughs> and I, w- I would, you know, a little fluff it and put it back in the in the cabinet. Um, but um, so I I got pregnant, and I was living in Berkeley, California, um, and it was you know back in the day. I was going to be Earth Mother. Um, I was having my baby at home. Uh, I had a group of midwives that I went to see. And um, I was eating pretty healthy. Now, what I, what I had learned and why I was a healthy eater was uh, my mother, who was a food addict. I think I can say that. She's been gone for many years. Um, she used to take us out. We never had sweets at home, but she used to take us out for treats every once in a while because she had to have them. So she would you know, put us in the car, and I, I knew exactly what she liked because that's the only thing we got to go and get. Um, but anyway, so, oh, I lost that. Oh, so I made her my higher power because one of the things I heard her say was, if it's healthy, you can eat as much as you want and not get fat. So I bought into that. I said, okay. We're gonna go for the most healthy food so we can get the most. Um, so as I'm approaching this time, and, and, and that went on for a while actually, let me go back to my, my trail with my mother. So I got into health foods, I got into nutrition, I learned all about it. I learned, I read, I studied, I followed what she said. And every time I would go home to visit, she would be doing something else. You know. So one time we went, I went home and she was macrobiotic which means everything's cooked. The next time I go home, it's everything's raw. Uh, then we go home, you know, when it's all vegetables, and the next time it's like heavy duty protein. And I finally went, oh, she's nuts. <laughs> I can't follow her anymore. So that was the time of approaching um, getting pregnant and becoming a mother myself. And um, so I got pregnant. And I'm seeing the midwives, and uh, I've been eating healthy. And I went in, and one of the midwives said to me, Oh, you don't weigh enough. You need to eat more. You're not putting on enough weight. Well, that, that little part of my brain that was already progressing toward addiction just clicked over, and I had... 100% permission to eat as much as I wanted, of whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted it. I was pregnant, I was eating for two, and I wasn't gaining enough weight. So I took off. And that was like, I was about five months pregnant when I got that message. And in that last few months of my pregnancy, I put on 50 pounds. Um, So I I just took off. And they said, but don't worry about it, because you're going to nurse your baby, and it's all going to be good. Um, so, and I was also very stressed at that point. So, and you know, we talk about being emo- emotional eaters. Well, I think that's pretty much true across the board for most people who eat an extra bite of food. It's emotional. Um, and I was very emotional. I had a business, I was working full-time, I was teaching, I was pretty overwhelmed, and I was afraid I was gonna become my mother when I had a child. I was really concerned, How's, how am I not gonna be her? And um, and so I ate. You know, I ate, I ate, I ate. I ate through all my fear. I ate through my fear of having a child, of being responsible, being a, an adult. I'd put it off for many years. And, um, and then she was born, and things didn't go the way I'd planned. I ended up, after a long labor, having a, an emergency C-section. Um, and... There I was with this baby, and I took her home, and indeed, I did become my mother. I was so emotionally unable to show up for this child, so freaked out by being a mother. Um, I couldn't even be at home with her. I had my own business, and I had a couple other women partners. I packed my my baby up. So I had a cesarean. I actually had an infection after that, um three weeks later, I packed up my baby and my, my diaper bag, and I went to work. I took her with me. I sat there. I nursed her. I changed her diaper. I don't even know. I mean, I wasn't contributing anything, but they let me be there. And I knew I couldn't be at home with this child because I was not able. I couldn't do it. Um, and I continued to eat, but I was nursing, right? And the weight was coming off. It was the best weight loss program imaginable. So the weight's coming off, weight's coming off. And then at a year, um, she was weaned, and she was no longer nursing. But I couldn't stop eating. And I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that, you know, because by then I was so acclimated to eating whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and as much as I wanted. And I wasn't eating healthy food anymore. But I was telling myself I was a healthy person, and, and that I ate healthy food. And I knew everything there was to know about it. Um, but it began a, a real struggle that went on for 15 years, and my struggle was, I want to go back. I thought I was fat. Now, when I was younger, I was—you know—there were times when I carried an extra five pounds or eight pounds, but I was not fat, and—and and I'm an incest survivor, um, so. I don't think my body was okay with me in any way, shape, or form. And I identified myself as fat. So I started saying, I wasn't fat. What was I thinking? I want to go back. I want to go back to where I was before. Well, I didn't think about what I ate that much when I was back there. I never dieted. I wasn't a dieter. So so I tried to do whatever it was I thought I did back then. But I didn't know exactly what that was. And I kept trying to be like i used to be i mean it was it was just kind of an insanity and meanwhile i wanted to eat what i wanted to eat and i wanted to eat it when i wanted to eat it and the the addiction at that point had me by the throat i if i thought of a food i had to eat it i had to eat it and you you better get out of my way um you might think you're having a conversation with me but i'm I'm going right now and I would get in the car and I would drive 45 minutes to get a particular thing from a particular place because that's what was in my head and that's what I needed to have I was very very driven by the food and then on top of it I was fat at that point and for years and I was you know I kind of maintained my weight at about 233 pounds that was the highest weight I ever saw um, on the scale Um, today I weigh 146 pounds, but I just, you know, I I couldn't do anything about it. I was um, I was in the throes of addiction. I didn't know what it was. That was the thing that really floored me. That's why I thought I could go back. I was the pickle, and I thought I could go back to being the cucumber. And when I finally got into recovery, to real recovery, I went to OA for ten years but um, this is part of my history uh, in my childhood home. When my parents were not available in any emotional way at all, um, whatever came up, it was like, we had to figure it out ourselves. There were five of us, you figure it out. Just figure it out, you know. I couldn't go to my parents because both of them were so emotionally overwhelmed. If I asked a question, they would be (laughs) off, you know, and they would go off on all of us kids. So, uh, it was just you know I couldn't I couldn't go there. So I I had worked really hard at being self sufficient, to being self self contained, and um, and I know when I came into into recovery and and I saw those steps, um, I'm powerless over food, and my life is unmanageable. I got it. Yeah, I'm powerless over food. <laughs> I am powerless over food, but my life's not unmanageable because my definition of managing is, if you survived, you managed, you managed. So I was managing, I survived, I'm a survivor. In so many ways, I'm a survivor. And it took me a long time to understand that my life is unmanageable. Today I know my life is unmanageable. I cannot manage, I cannot manage the people in my life, the circumstances, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't change them, I can't manage that. All I can do is change myself. Um, but I didn't know that and it took me a long long time to learn that anyway, so when I was in OA um, And I had a therapist who I went to who I wanted to solve my problems and she said well I can't solve that one you got to go to a 12-step program And I you know, I thank God for that that she she said that she was very clear about it um, so I went <laughs> went but I never really got a sponsor because how it was in my head was if I get a sponsor, what's the sponsor going to do? Is the sponsor going to tell me what to eat? I know everything there is to know about food. Nobody's telling me what to eat. That's <laughs> not going to happen. Then I thought, well, maybe that's not how it works. Maybe your sponsor asks you what you ate. <laughs> that's humiliating. I'm not telling anybody what I ate. So that's off the table. But that's as far as my thinking could take me. You know, this idea of committing your food ahead of time never occurred to me. Not not once ever occurred to me. So I went for for 10 years because it was a place where other people talked about being miserable around food, the meetings I went to. Now, that wasn't completely true because I went to a meeting in Berkeley, California, and it was in a big hospital room, and it was a b- bigger room than this with big tables in the center and there were people sitting all the way around the table and then all the way around the outside of the room it was a very big meeting and there were about four people who would talk about weighing and measuring their food and they sat over there on that end of the room and i sat over there i never talked to them it was unnatural it was weird it was not anything that i wanted to know about and what did they know anyway in my mind it was like s- skinny bitches. <laughs> They don't know about being fat, because look at them. I knew about being fat. And and so I didn't want to know anything about it. And that was my position for a long time. So it was very hard to get into any real recovery around food, because I, I couldn't give up the food. I could not give it up. It was too important to me. And I couldn't let anybody tell me what to do around it. So, um, so on I marched. Um, and life was getting more and more miserable so I um, what that looked like was I was I'm an artist and I really couldn't show up for the creative process I couldn't show up I couldn't I just couldn't do it it was too difficult plus I was in a fog most of the time because of the food and that's what the, the food does for me Um, I think the sugar kind of gets me high, and the flour sedates me, and I was, uh, not to mention that my mood swings were insane, up and down and up and down. So I had this little girl, this little darling little girl, and, um, and I became my mother. I was a screaming maniac, I never hit that child, but I was scary. I was scary screaming and I wasn't even screaming at her. I was just screaming because I, I couldn't I couldn't be. I didn't know how to be. I didn't know how to be here. Um I came into program finally. Well, at 47 I realized that I needed help. And me, me of all people, I think I was gonna have to let somebody else tell me what to do. And that was a that was a real turning point in my life and I had heard about a program where people weighed and measured their food. Oh, oh, okay, me of all people, I'm gonna to have to go do that. And and I went, and I I made a commitment to myself, I'm gonna get one of those sponsors, and I'm gonna do whatever I'm told. And I did it, and it was not FA, it was another 12-step program. But my my path and my research has taken me a long way. Um, I went to the program for a year. I did exactly what my sponsor told me to do. Um, we did. We had tools, but, yeah, you know, you kind of were, they were suggested. And I didn't really know anybody who consistently used the tools. Um, so I i certainly didn't. But, man, what a ride. I lost 70 pounds. I got so many compliments. I, it was, like, very thrilling, you know, that weight loss, because I had never really weight loss lost weight because I wasn't willing to diet diet to me was about deprivation I'd suffered enough deprivation I'm not going to deprive myself food is one thing I can give myself why would I deprive myself so here I am um, getting all this attention it feels really good it's very very exciting and it's really cool and and I'm going along and and I got to a certain point and I was like yeah 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 look at me look at me and then I'm like don't look at me, you know. Like, all right, that's enough. Stop, stop. It just became overwhelming for me, and I didn't understand what was happening. I think at that point, but I right about that point, my sponsor moved out of town. I didn't get another sponsor, and I started sponsoring myself. Yeah, food addict sponsoring herself. That's that's a tricky situation. Um, and what I did was I just started tweaking the food plan a little bit just a little bit. I also had gotten to a weight where I was not really comfortable. You know, I was feeling really vulnerable. I wasn't working any tools. I didn't have any peace. Um, I wasn't really getting recovery. I just had weight loss, and it was a magical time in that way, but it was overwhelming to me. And so my weight started coming back on. But I didn't even know it. You know, I'm a rationalizer and a justifier. I'm going to justify this food. I need to have it. And I'm going to rationalize every bite that goes into my mouth somehow. And one of the ways I remember rationalizing in time was I would say things to myself like, oh, yeah, I eat really healthy food. I'm, like, really into, like, organic and everything. And why? I just last week I ate a salad. That would be my, like, marker in my mind that that proved that. Or I can, I, can eat, I can eat flour and sugar. That's what I told myself in OA. I can eat flour and sugar. I can do it. And how I would rationalize it was I would remember a time when I had a package of flour and sugar stuff, and I ate one or two, and I put them away. One time. One time I did that. And that's my reference point, and that's what I'm going to go back to, and I'm going to revisit that and say, See? I can do it. Now I could never repeat it. I could never go back and do it again. And I was always looking for that first high that I ever got from eating flour and sugar. I was chasing that flavor, that taste. Nothing ever met that expectation either. So I'm chasing, chasing, chasing. So anyway, so that downhill slide at that point from from losing that 70 pounds, the weight was coming back. And um, eventually, what happened was I became aware that I was back in the fog. I was in such an incredible fog i couldn 't see straight and and that was really horrible because when that fog had lifted when I was in the other program i um, I started painting, and I actually was showing up so even for that that short period of time, something happened that was really remarkable so um so a couple of years went by, and um, somebody told me, somebody in this room actually told me about, had gone before me into F.A., and they told me about this, this program that was really great. And um, here's what I heard. I know she said more things than this. I said, well, what's so great about it? And she said, well, I don't put milk in my coffee, and, and I don't mix my vegetables. That's all I heard. <laughs> and I said... Ew. <laughs> so from the time I heard that until I actually came in the door, it was almost a year. Um, but I got miserable enough that I thought I think there's no wiggle room in this program and I think this is what I need. I need something that is not gonna let me wiggle out because how it works for me is if I can, you know, crack crack the door a little bit, just a little bit. I'm going to get my knee in it, and then my hip's going to go, and then then the door's going to fly open, and then I have to eat all those foods out there. I have to eat it all. And I know today, I got abstinent April 5th, 1999, and if I were to go out today, all the foods they've invented since then, I would have to eat them all. I know I'm a food addict. I can play out that bite, that one bite that would take me out the door, and I don't know if I could ever come back. Um, anyway, so I came to an FA meeting, and this is how I got here. I, I walked into the meeting. Um, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, I think, but what did I know? Um, and I, I listened, and I said, yeah, I need to be here. But I'm going on vacation for two weeks, so I'll come back when I come back. And this was in California, so I, I'm sure I was like this. Yeah. And somebody came up to me and said, well, what do you think? What do you think? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. And she said, well, I I could sponsor you. I said, no, I'm going away for for a vacation, but I'll I'll come back. And she was like pressing, and I'm like, I'm going away. I'll come back. (laughs) But, you know, I really needed that vacation, and I didn't know it. And I did not go out to eat the last time I would get to eat. I did not have that in my head. But my the progression of my disease at that point was so strong that I had no power at all. I could not control what I was eating. And what that looked like was um, I went on this vacation with my husband, and we, we visited his parents in Florida. And his father used to keep treats in a jar in the kitchen. And I was eating them, and I couldn't stop um, which was you know, fine, I'm sneaking around eating, that's what's new about that. But he came into the kitchen, we're all standing around the kitchen talking, and he's saying, hey, I just filled this jar, who's been eating this? And I walked across the room in total denial, put my hand in the jar, snuck away, ate them, went back across the room in front of everybody. I was doing it, I was totally humiliating myself and I could not stop, I could not stop. Everything about that trip was just I was consumed with having to have food um we stayed in a motel somewhere, and there was a hot tub and a pool and I had to go down to the hot tub, pass the vending machines to the hot tub, eat the stuff, back up to the room, eat the stuff, get rid of the wrappers, you know as long as I'm moving and I'm eating it's I'm not really that's not happening, it's not happening. My denial was just like incredibly thick. And then one morning I got up and I said to my husband we have to go to 711 now. And he was like okay okay. I mean he was just, you know, very accommodating and but I remember I remember what I got and just sitting down and having to chug 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 four straight caffeine sugar drinks one after the other. I could not, you know, I had no control. I couldn't stop. So, I mean, that's my story. I came back, I did walk into the rooms. I got a sponsor. And um, the first sponsor I had uh, was great. Gave me a real foundation. And I thought, I'm totally willing. I will do whatever, whatever I need to do. And I talked to that first sponsor later. Yeah, I was really willing. I was so ready, <laughs> and he went, "Oh, sort of." <laughs> <laughs> so I had this like I had this chip on my shoulder. I had this argument. I had my my arms crossed, and what he had to say to me every day was, uh, "Could you just try it for one day?" Okay, I'll try it for one day, and I would try it, and I would go, "Oh, this is not a big deal. I can do this." and every time I was asked to give something up, I got something better in return. And that's why today I believe this is not a diet. There is a diet component to this program, but it's not a diet because a diet is about deprivation. They take it away, but they don't give you anything in return. And here I got more and more and more peace. And that has been worth everything to me. I have been able to walk through so many things in my life i've adopted a little boy who was over the top with um behavior i was 5 years <laughs> abstinent and i thought i've got all the patience in the world now <laughs> so you know i've had some teachers in this life but i i showed up i stayed i didn't walk away and I didn't walk away from my abstinence, and that was one of the most important things. I knew that if I, if I lost my abstinence, I would lose this child, too. Um, and uh, so it was the most important thing, and he had to learn to live with it. You know had to learn to live with me walking out the door over and over again to go to meetings, and him not being able to put food in my mouth that's one of the healing things for children who have the kind of traumatic background he has is to feed your mother and have your mother feed you. And I couldn't do that. And he had to learn that and it had to be okay because I could not give up this abstinence, it's the most important thing in my life. And it remains today the most important thing in my life. And um, I'm so grateful to be here. And, I, and it's a miracle, every single day is a miracle. That first day when I <laughs> committed my food and I, I went and I ate it. Well, I remember making that first meal and looking at it and going, that is not enough food for me. And I ate the meal and I went, hmm, I'm satisfied. Okay, I'm good, I'm good. Now, sometimes by lunch I wanted to eat my arm, um, but I told myself, oh, this is when the fat is melting away. (laughs) And, um, and And it really did work that way, but I found that as much food as I ever ate before was never satisfying. I never had enough. And all of a sudden, this little bit, I had enough. Um, What I do also know is that my real recovery didn't start until I got to my goal weight. And I thought I was at my goal weight at a certain point, because that's the lowest weight I ever knew. I mean, as far back as I can remember sixth grade. And my sponsor said, I think you could lose a few more pounds. And I was like, I don't think so. I think that would be too much. And he said, well, you know, if it's too much, you know, we can help you gain it back. I was like, oh yeah, that's probably not too hard. Okay, all right, so I'll try it. So I lost those extra few pounds, and what it turned out to be was a spiritual experience. I thought, I cannot live in this. I've got one minute left. I cannot live in this body. I don't know how to live in this body. Um, I need a higher power. I need something in my life that is not of me. And, and that was a real awakening, and I think sort of the beginning, it was the beginning of me growing up. I was 50 years old, and I'm 70 today, and I feel like I'm kind of starting to grow up. Um, and, and it's because of this program, that, you know, being able to show up. And be, to actually be present has been a miracle. Um, and one more thing, too, when I first said to my sponsor, yes, I ate exactly what I said I was going to eat yesterday, not one bite more. And I thought to myself, and not one bite less. I thought, why did I say that? I've never had an anorexic bone in my body. But, but I, what I realized over time was if I cut myself short by one-tenth of an ounce of food, I would justify tomorrow that I didn't get all my food yesterday, so therefore I can have more today. And I can't do that. Please join me in a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.